Welcome to Mindful Social, where we talk about a mindful approach to life and work. This week's guest is Lisa Murfield, Human Resources Manager at Hill Ward Henderson in Tampa, Florida. Lisa co-authored a book, The ROI on Compassion, which discusses why compassion is the best business practice for employers in dealing with employees' traumatic situations. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Lisa Murfield. And she's written an amazing book that I think you're going to be really interested in. It's called The ROI of Compassion, Unleashing the Ultimate Performance, Production, and Profits with Strategic Caring in Traumatic Times. Really great title for our subject today. So, Lisa, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to this point? Absolutely. Um, Well, I have been in the field of human resources for 20 years now and worked in a variety of industries and um, you know and uh, usually as a department of one in HR so I've had a lot of experience doing that mostly a generalist and got all the HR certification got my MBA and uh, and currently work in a law firm here in Tampa Florida as their HR manager mm-hmm. and I guess our book came about back in 2007 uh, when we had our own traumatic situation, my, we lost my youngest stepson, my husband's son, to suicide. Mm-hmm. And his employer at the time, he was living in Lincoln, Nebraska, my hometown, and he worked for Cabela's. And they did an absolutely phenomenal job and were exhibited the just ultimate of compassion to us as a family and to their employees during that time. Uh, he was 22, so he had a lot of young friends that hadn't dealt with that before. And then on the other side of the coin, where I worked at the time, um, a week after I got back from the funeral, they laid me off. Mm. <laughs> and uh, we were like, okay, this is not compassionate. But my husband and I started talking about how do employ- employers treat employees during traumatic times such as that and we the research was born my husband has his doctorate in communication studies and with me with my MBA and research background we said let's let's take a look at this and we found a lot of interesting things that we felt would be beneficial for HR professionals managers supervisors in any organization that goes through this but also in the research we found that there is a return on investment compassion when it's practiced well in an organization. So that's where the book came about. And how do you define compassion in the workplace? Well, compassion for us is is coming alongside of another and helping them in a traumatic situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's when an employer can do that. Because we have sympathy where you you say, oh, that person's sad, okay, I, I feel bad for them. Or empathy where you may feel for that person because you've gone through that. The compassion takes it a step further or kicks it up because you take action. You're coming alongside of someone and helping them mm-hmm. through that, that traumatic situation as an employer, as coworkers, and that just helps to bring that person back sooner uh, in a healthier manner. And instead of just letting them suffer in silence, um, because leaving your problems at the door is an old thing many years ago. Uh, it doesn't happen anymore. 
people's lives come into the workplace and you need to come alongside of them and help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I find that in my work too, that, you know, the workplace is different now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are still an awful lot of people who hide any kind of weakness. And I find that particularly true with women, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, how have you seen that in the workplace? Have you seen people holding back and, and not allowing people to express compassion for them? Um, there are sometimes that there's, you know, there are individuals that may not want people to know, particularly if it's a financial situation they're struggling with. Um, you know, they're ashamed. Maybe they're going into bankruptcy. Maybe they're about to lose their home, and they don't want people to know because, like I said, they may feel ashamed about it. But it, if employers know their employees well and they notice, they're going to see some differences. Maybe differences in behavior. Maybe it's someone who used to go out to lunch all the time, but now they're brown bagging it, or maybe they're not eating. Mm -hmm. um, are those signals that might trigger something that's going wrong? And if employers, if managers, human resources has a good good relationship with an individual, they can come alongside of them again and say, hey, is everything okay? Is there something going on? Is there something we can do for you? Mm -hmm. um, and just noticing. And sometimes people will say something. Other times they don't. And sometimes there's traumas if someone loses a family member. Everyone knows about it, but six months down the road, a year down the road, are we noticing, is their behavior changing? Is there something about them? Is their performance dropping again? So it's just noticing those things in the workplace. And a lot of times our managers, supervisors, directors, they don't take the time to notice because, oh, I can't, I don't have the time, or I can't do that, or we can't get involved in their personal lives. But if we say our employees are our most important assets, then we need to treat them as such. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I do see that, you know, in some workplaces, there's this culture of toughness where, mm -hmm. you know, it's be here all the time, never take any breaks. And right. some managers who, you know, may or may not really be able to support the idea of actually caring about their employees <laughs> and you know those kind of toxic cultures how can we how can we work within a toxic culture like that wow <laughs> well I think I being a human resource professional it's always best if you can get buy-in from the top down but anymore it's managing up is the big thing in workplaces and Yes, you might be in a toxic culture where managers don't care, production is king, um, but I think as HR managers or directors or whatever your role be in HR, that you can make the difference in reaching out to people, taking the initiative yourself, getting those that you know they're in the organization. There may be some managers saying, this is really important, I'm, I'm with you and starting to exhibit that. Uh, admittedly, there are sometimes there are cultures that are so toxic or they just plain don't care that it's going to be hard to turn those around. But if you can yourself touch people and help them come alongside of them, provide them with resources, what a difference you can make in just one person's life and their experience at that workplace. Um, 
Yeah, and it's it's taking a look at the culture and seeing can we change that culture? And sometimes we can't. And it's sad to say sometimes we just have to say, I can't deal with this. This is a horrible place to be. It's not good for me. It's not healthy for me. And sometimes people have to move on and find a culture that is going to be more conducive and mm. more, you know, more compassionate towards their employees. Um, but it takes a lot to turn a culture like that around. Yeah. And there, there is no shame in saying this culture is not healthy for me. Absolutely. I think we all probably can think of one workplace perhaps that we've worked that absolutely showed no compassion whatsoever. And it's just sometimes best to remove yourself from that because it's just not healthy, period. Even when you're not going through a traumatic situation, just they're difficult to deal with. Right. So what kind of benefits do companies see when you know they do have a culture of compassion mm -hmm. well um you know obviously we hear a lot about engagement right now uh where your employees are actively engaged if they're disengaged or actively disengaged and if you come alongside of someone going through a traumatic situation and maybe you know they're going through that situation and they're probably going to be somewhat disengaged um, because they can't concentrate, they're not doing their best. But um, by helping them, providing them resources, we can get that employee actively engaged again and can make them, can help them be more productive. But also, too, what we find in a lot of the research that once you have helped that employee, maybe you know, done a little extra something for them to help them during that time you see a lot of loyalty, you see a lot of longevity because, hey, they, they helped me, I'm going to do whatever I can to help them achieve the company goals, I'm going to be that model employee. Mm. Um, we see it in our organization, in our law firm, all the time. Um, for example, we had someone who had just started with us and found out that they had cancer, and we arranged a way for them to work from home, which we don't normally do, but it made sense in this situation. And that employee was so grateful, their productivity, even during chemotherapy, soared. Mm -hmm. And they come back constantly and say, thank you for what you did. I, this is the greatest place to work, and I'm going to tell all my friends. <laughs> and, you know, you can't have any better PR than that. And so you can see, you know, the, the engagement improves. And in fact, uh, we saw some, some yeah, I can't say statistics, there we go, um, that came out through Gallup recently that talked about for employees who are not engaged or disengaged employees, that 34% of their salary is lost in production. Mm. So if you have an employee who's making $50,000 a year, $17,000 that's lost in production a year for that person if you break it down to the nuts and bolts. And that's a lot for companies if that's just one person. And again, if you can come alongside of them, and we think very strongly that compassion is a very basic component of engagement. There's a lot of other things that come into it, but if you care about your employees, respect them, they're going to do 
they're going to walk through walls for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So basically, if, if you respect your employees, they will respect you back? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's that, le that level of trust that has to be built between managers and their employees. And that's built by getting to know them more mm -hmm. on a personal basis and building a relationship with them instead of just saying, oh, that's so-and-so sitting in that desk. Okay, and that's it. You know, getting to know their families, getting to know a little bit about them. Um, and that plays a big part. And then you build that trust. And yeah, I think, you know, if you respect the employees, because that's what we hear a lot about. People want to be respected for what they do. They want to be appreciated. And that can come through compassion, whether it's traumatic times or non-traumatic times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think the cogs in a machine type of business really is as effective as it used to be. No, no. Not with, what, four or even possibly five generations in the workplace now. Millennials and your Z generation, they're not going to work the same as traditionals and baby boomers. And mm -hmm. they want to work life balance. If they're not happy, they will take off and they'll go somewhere else where they will be happy. And yeah. um, we hear a lot about that they don't have, they can't experience emotions and they may get dissed a lot um, for different attitudes that they may or may not have. But bottom line is they want to be respected too. They want to be appreciated. And when they go through a tough time, they would appreciate someone being there with them. Mm -hmm. Don't we all want to be appreciated Absolutely. wherever we are, whether it's at work or at home or mm -hmm. out on the sidewalk? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we see so much, everyone texts, now and the emails and a lot of personal contact has been lost and we just just have to look out in the world to see the incivility that's going on right now and mm -hmm. just uh, the hatred and if you can have a workplace that is going to show compassion um, I think that's going to speak loudly about your organization and saying how you appreciate your employees and we want to change that. We want everyone to be appreciated and respected. Absolutely. And isn't it part of the company brand, really, mm -hmm. to be a company that people really fight over getting to work for because it is a good company and people feel respected? Mm -hmm. Yeah, an example of Facebook, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, who lost her husband unexpectedly, um, it just knocked the wind out of her and uh, she it took her weeks even months to get back to work and uh, as the CEO of Facebook and when she came back she looked at their bereavement policy and said this is inadequate and mm -hmm. increased it so that now they have 20 paid days for the loss of a fam immediate family member and 10 days for the loss of other family members as the company and just to give people more time because a three-day bereavement leave this doesn't cut it no how many people are ready to come back and some, some organizations may say we can't afford to do that but what can you afford to do mm. and can you afford not to because allowing them more time up front is that going to maybe change how much time they take later on because they weren't ready to come back to work and they're getting sick and have physical ailments and giving them more time up front to recover and be ready to go back to work 
wouldn't that be a better situation? So, yeah. And people go to companies like Facebook and others that have great benefits. You heard of uh, Zappos, uh, had a great culture, and they cared about their employees and came alongside of them in traumatic times as well. So, there's organizations like that all across the country. Mm -hmm. um, less than half of companies really really implement compassion in their workplace. Mm. In the in the book you talk about uh, employees have dealt with things like natural disasters or mm -hmm. terrorism even. How yeah. what kind of examples do you have of ways that corporations have really helped their employees in those times that it may be more than just one employee who's dealing with a majorly stressful situation. Absolutely. Um, in those situations, um, those are obviously at a larger scale. And even in the presentation I did last week, we talked a little bit about Las Vegas and the shooting that happened there on October 1st. Mm -hmm. But as far as, you know, in the two examples of uh, a hurricane was one Hurricane Katrina and then 9-11 was another one we see in the book. Communication was key in those situations. Um, in the 9-11 example, uh, one of the managers called all of the employees her direct reports and she probably had around 20 to 30 direct reports. She called them once a day, if not twice a day just to check up and to see how they were doing, if there was anything they needed, any resources they could provide, because it was quite traumatic, because some were in the building and some were just coming to work at the time. Mm -hmm. and, and so she was, those were some of the things that they did. Um, in our hurricane example, communication too was a key there. They kept in touch with all of their employees, but one thing that they did because of their their building was um, probably 90% destroyed in the hurricane. They mm -hmm. paid their employees for three months during that time because obviously you've had suffered an incredible disaster. Your home is gone. And how are you going to live? And they helped to restore somewhat of that normalcy by paying their employees whether or not they decided to come back after the three months, did they continue to pay them to give them some of that stability to be able to establish what we call the new normal for their lives? But they needed to have that baseline. So it's like both of those organizations said, you know, what are the basic needs of our employees right now? We want to make sure that they're safe. We want to make sure they're financially taken care of that they have places to stay, um, they have food, and they have, you know, just the basic things to help them kind of get up on their feet again and to move forward, and then other things followed after that. So it's, um, the communication was a huge thing. And, uh, and they just established different ways to do that through texting, uh, some social media at that time. Uh, so there were uh, different avenues that they used, but personal contact was, was something that they implemented right away. Yeah, I can see that, um, you know, a personal outreach, especially, you know, having your manager call you every day is really mm -hmm. amazing and yeah. something that would inspire a lot of, of loyalty in the employees. And also 
a lot of camaraderie and that feeling of, you know, pulling together in unity that you might not get in other typical situations. Absolutely, absolutely. And it was, um, and both of the companies, they did it because they felt it was the right thing to do. Um, these employees have helped make their organization successful and they wanted to give back and make sure that they were taken care of um, because these were both very tragic, tragic disasters that occurred and, uh, and they made sure that employees had counseling available, that they could call in or go to counselors and um, just trying to meet kind of the the various needs of what we call the life wheel as far as financial, spiritual, um, you know, all of the, all of the different uh, aspects, kind of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like, what do you need in, in a time of crisis? And that's what they were looking at. It's like, what can we do for our employees that help them wherever they may be at at that point in time? So that kind of speaks to, in the book, you talk about the eight aspects of personal mm -hmm. lives. Can you expand on what those eight aspects might be? Sure. Um, yeah, it's um, basically, you know, like career, financial needs, social, intellectual, physical, psychological, family, and spiritual. Um, and in our, in our book, what we did was take each of those uh, trauma situations and analyze what employers could do in each of those situations. Um, obviously, in the example of the hurricane, like I mentioned, financial, that was very important um, because people needed money to rebuild. They needed to get into their insurance and deal with all those aspects. Um, but they also needed the social aspect too, and that's where the managers came in and very important in dealing with the employees and employees were contacting each other and even when they were rebuilding the company um, they had provided a ship actually had a ship brought in and had living quarters on there so that the employees could work 10 hours on 10 hours off and when they were off then they would go and try to clean up their homes and their co-workers would come with them if they had the same time them off, they would come and help them clean up or go with them as they were filing claims through FEMA. So there was that social aspect. Um, mm -hmm. You know, physically, obviously, you know, in times of that, um, in times of trauma, people forget to even take care of themselves. And the company was making sure it's like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating properly? Or do you need to speak to someone because you're having trouble doing that? Because obviously, a trauma such as 9 11, that was. That was horrific for many people and what they saw and having to having to relive that all the time and um, and not taking care of themselves um you know and the psychological aspect of that trauma and needing again counsel was huge but also to the family aspect uh some people within the hur uh, hurricane katrina had family members who were killed Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're dealing with that, and unfortunately for some of them, they couldn't find the family members. Um, and so it was just waiting to see if they could find them. Uh, they knew they were gone, but it's, you know, horrific things that we don't even want to think about having to deal with, but these people were hit with so much. And, and being in the companies coming again alongside of them and helping them 
for family situations. What does your family need right now? How can we help? And this for spiritual, I know we don't want to talk about religion in the workplace, but um, faith comes into it, uh, whether depending on you know, who your higher power is, but meeting people there as well. There was a company called Workplace Chaplains that uh, I believe they used in 9-11 that people could call and speak to uh, someone of their denominational faith and be able to kind of decompress and talk about, you know, because obviously people going through a trauma, it's like, why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? I don't understand it. So you're trying to process all of that, um, but the companies provided those resources as well. So they tried to take a look at each one of those and and see what needs they could help meet for those employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, as an HR professional, mm-hmm. how can you bring this into a corporation? Uh, is it something where you highlight the people in the company who are already enacting compassion for their employers or setting a good example? Or is it really a, a bottom-down kind of, I mean, a top-down kind of thing? Well, I, again, ideally, it, it, you have your C-suite or management that adopts these types of values. That's always the best, but sometimes that doesn't always happen. And I find a lot of this does come out of human resources. Mm-hmm. So it's um, being an example uh, and taking looks uh, in my my. Uh, presentation last week, we went through a number of policies that HR professionals do work with on a regular basis. And I challenged each one of them when they went back to their workplace to take a look at each policy and say, why? Mm. Why is this in place? And look at it from the standpoint is, does that benefit the employee more? Does it benefit the company more? And how can we balance that so that it's a win-win for both sides. And sometimes policies are in place because they've always been there, but we need to take a look at those and say, why do we have it in place? And how does it or does it not help an employee going through a traumatic situation? And, and then it's also crunching the numbers because compassion is that squishy word, <laughs> that soft thing, that's emotions. We don't deal with emotions. Mm-hmm. But again, if we implemented different policies, just like the bereavement policy, if we wanted to increase that, what would it cost our organization to do that in dollars and cents? Taking that to your managers and saying, you know what, if we did this, we could increase our bereavement leave, it would only cost us X amount of dollars, and here's the money that we could potentially save by doing this. We could save absenteeism later on, or even turnover later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just being strategic and showing that return on investment and there's ways that you can measure it pre and post trauma what things did we see did we see a lot of turnover how did we respond to that was this policy did it work for people and you know what benefits that we offer um, and can we do better can we change them um, for example, short-term disability, sometimes elimination period is 14 days. 
Could we change it to seven days? What would that cost us? Would that benefit the employee? Would that benefit the organization? Again, just taking a look at everything and asking why, but yet putting it in dollars and cents, which I think that sometimes where um, compassion isn't taken seriously because we aren't able to convert it to dollars, but compassion is measurable. It's just we have to break it down into right. aspects such as turnover, absenteeism, um, and those are just a few. I mean, you know, does it decrease your workplace that is that an issue? Um, does it increase your employee referrals or is your are your policies decreasing? And do you, is your workplace one that you that your employees want to bring their fam friends into to work or is it a place they want them to work? Mm -hmm. um, you're costing your organization by not having the policies in place that help people because your employees are going to talk. Yeah, they watch you every minute. And if you treat someone bad, that employee is going to tell their coworkers and those coworkers are going to tell other people. And uh, that's not, as I said in the presentation, a chamber of commerce moment. <laughs> um, because if they did that to them, what would they do to me in that situation? Mm -hmm. um, just, I mean, even in my situation where I was laid off a week after my son died. Mm -hmm. um, I think others in the organization noticed that and said, ooh, how cold is that? Right. <laughs> um, you think that was a place they wanted to work? And I thought, if that happened to her, what would they do to me? Mm -hmm. and, uh, so it's, I think HR is a very strong force in driving that change on how we respond and in analyzing our policies, procedures, and practices to see, are we acting in a compassionate manner? And if not, what can we do to change it? And then speaking with our managers to say, hey, this is important because we're losing X amount of dollars a year because we are doing this. Mm -hmm. It's all, it comes down to the bottom line. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So, you said that in the book you have case studies, mm -hmm. but it's also kind of a workbook or a resource manual. Can you tell us a little bit about what that entails? Sure. Um, yes. When we have the case studies at the end of each chapter, we have a checklist that we've gone through the eight aspects of the life wheel mm -hmm. and highlighted things that uh, managers, HR managers can, or HR professionals, I should say, uh, can take a look at to see, okay, this is what the employees need in these types of situations. So we also have resources at the end of the book of different organizations um, where people can get information. It can be anywhere from American Cancer Society to uh, we have the Hospice Association uh, and uh, like it's Marketplace Chaplains was another place that we put in. And, and none of them have paid us to put them in the book. It's just mm -hmm. that we have, um, have a number of resources that we have found during our research, uh, even resources on caregivers. Uh, for a lot of companies, they have people who are caring for elderly parents and uh, resources of right, how the organization could possibly help them uh, as far as um, one organization actually started a support group for those who were caregivers. 
so that they could talk. They would have uh, subject matter experts come in and talk about um, various aspects affecting those caregivers and what they can do to maintain their health, uh, their mental health, um, and resources that maybe they weren't aware of that could help in their caregiving situation as well. So it's um, we want it to be a resource manual that can people uh, and organizations can take off the shelf and take a look at and say, okay, this is helpful. Um, this would help me in handling X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed talking with you, and I, I really do resonate with your message that, you know, compassion in the workplace is much more important than maybe some businesses give credence to and that it does have a solid return on investment. Uh, can you tell people a little bit about where they can find the book and how they can get in touch with you? Sure. Um, well, the book is on Amazon. Um, and now we released it first at uh, the HR Florida State Conference, but then uh, it is now available on Amazon, so they can search for their ROI of compassion and get it there. And as far as getting in touch with me, um, I use my Gmail address so people can reach out to me at LV Murfield and it's M-U-R, F as in Frank, I-E-L-D as in dog, at gmail.com if anyone has questions or has a situation that they want to discuss with me, I'm more than happy to do that. And um, so that's probably the best way right now that you can get a hold of me. Great, great. And do you invite HR professionals to reach out with questions? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've been there and lived it. And, uh, and I think, you know, we all think we're compassionate, but when you go through a traumatic situation like we did, um, sometimes you kind of go, oh my, I kind of paled in comparison. And it makes you, I think it made me a better HR professional. And mm -hmm. so always willing to share with HR professionals what I've learned in our research and and to help out because that's what it's about is giving back and yeah. some of your experience and helping others through that. That's great. Thank you. And I will uh, add a link to the book on Amazon in the uh, show notes when this goes up live on the website. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today and sharing. I think that people are going to find a huge amount of value in the book, and I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Janet. I appreciate it. Well, thank you.